Hello, and welcome to the Who Says No podcast. This is a podcast about trades, transactions, other things that happen in the NBA. My name is Colin Ward-Henninger. I'm an NBA writer and reporter for CBS Sports. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Quinn, also a writer and reporter for CBS Sports. Sam, how are you doing, and have you slept in the last two weeks? Maybe turn weeks into months. I'm sneaking in like 15 minutes every now and then. I'm like one of the Silicon Valley guys who think they've perfected the art of sleep with the 15-minute intervals. That's basically oh, where heard, I'm at right now. I've heard that garbage before. That's that's BS. Uh, my, my wife tries to pull that on. Oh, I'm just going to lay down for a quick 20. It's like two hours. I can't take like legitimate naps anymore because if I do, like I'm the guy who sets the alarm for like 18 minutes and then I look at my phone and boom, four hours passed. But yeah, you're going to see their sleeplessness reflected in some of these trades we're going to talk about. Yeah, and the, the reason that we're not getting any sleep is that we have not really had an NBA offseason. It went right from the Lakers winning the championship into, uh, hey, maybe we'll get a couple months. Maybe we'll start around you know Martin Luther King Day, maybe February. It's like, no, we're going to start December 22nd. So uh, you know, as soon as they opened that transaction window, the trades started coming in hot and heavy. We had the draft. We had free agency. And now, of course, the biggest story in the NBA, we have James Harden going to uh, parties with rappers, posting pictures without masks, showing up late to training camp. And uh, what is going to happen with this situation, Sam? We kind of jumped into like the Super Bowl of trade rumors with the first episode. Maybe we should have like started off with, I don't know, like what's. Frank Nilakina going to look like next season. But no, of course, we have to jump right into this. Yeah, getting some uh, trading stories on, uh, you know, some random guy on the Thunder. Here's, well, first of all, every guy on the Thunder is going to get traded this year. That's just how the Thunder work. Except, but, po- except Poku. Well, if they trade Lou Dort, I might, like, grab my pitchfork and my torch and, you know, go go down there and cause some problems. His trade value but, has never been higher. We're going to have the Lou Dort Trade Destinations podcast in, in a week or so. So just mentally prepare yourself for that. I wouldn't be opposed to putting Lou Dort in the title of the show, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, the Harden thing is interesting because as we're going to get into, basically every good team wants him, and we don't really have a good idea of where he's going to go because the teams that like he seems to be most interested in either don't have enough to get him or have something that's so valuable that they might not want to send him. So we have this middle group of teams that is kind of the more equal value sort of trade area but we don't know where Harden actually wants to go among those teams. So that's kind of where we're going to lean into today. We're going to rank the realistic destinations for a Harden trade. We have seven in mind. We're leaving a couple out. Like, obviously, the Lakers would love to have James Harden, but they don't have enough to trade for him. The hardest omission was Boston, just because, for now, it seems like they're not into him. But we have seven. Colin, do you want to start at the top or the bottom? Uh, well, first, before we get into the list, I think we should just, you know, kind of lay out the situation here. So Harden has, you know, requested a trade or it's, it's said that he's uh, willing to be traded. He would like to be traded, how, whatever language you want to use. But basically four teams have come out as potential destinations that he wants to go to. One is the Brooklyn Nets. That kind of seems to be the front runner, the ones that he wants to go play with uh, Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, he's got the Daryl Morey connection there. And then uh, recently they just mentioned that uh, report that he would also be willing to go to the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat, 
or the best team in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks. So let's just lay that out there first so you get a kind of sense of, of what Harden's thinking. Although, as we know, you know, he doesn't really have any control over the situation because uh, a lot of those teams he mentioned, uh, like you talked about, might not actually uh, benefit for what they have to give up in order to get him. Is that some Miami Heat shade calling the Bucks the best team in the East? Record-wise, man, that's what I'm saying. It's it's. I picked them to win the East too, and I agree with you. But it, spoiler it, alert: it, the Milwaukee Bucks are not on this list. The I'm Milwaukee, sorry, you can't trade everything for Drew Holiday and then expect to get James Harden after that. Yeah, there was a uh, a Milwaukee Bucks beat writer, I think uh, Velasquez from the Athletic. Uh, he he got that that report of Harden wanting to go to the Bucks, and he said, "I'd like to be objective on this, but I can't." LOL. So I don't oh. think that that Bucks thing is happening. Remember when Anthony Davis listed his non-Lakers trade destinations and the Bucks and the Knicks were on it? And it was just like, you're listing places that you know you can't be traded to just to seem slightly more reasonable. But no, you're not actually going to go there. That's just mean to the Knicks fans. Haven't they been through enough? The Knicks are the eternal superstar leverage. That will be their, their destiny forever. But now let's talk about the actual good teams. So, yeah, so, so we're going we're gonna to rank the trade packages or, or what Houston could get in terms of uh, the best deal, the best return. Uh, we've got seven teams, so we're going to start at number seven. So, uh, Sam, who is your number seven team in terms of the James Harden trade rankings? It is the team that is number one in James Harden's heart. It is the Brooklyn Nets. So seven. Sam, yeah, come on, man. They don't have much to offer. I'm you're sorry. You're crushing Harden's dreams right off the bat. If you're trying to trade for a former MVP, you should probably have something better to offer than Karis LeVert, who's old and who's injured, at least by superstar trade centerpiece standards. Look, I will so, not tolerate this Karis LeVert slander. This is, uh, it, it, we, we got to at least get, you know, 45 minutes into the podcast before you start bringing this stuff up. So there are two different Nets packages that I'm interested in. There's the realistic one that we assume that they've offered which is Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Rodion's Kurucs, maybe Torian Prince, and then just all of their picks. But then there's the more interesting one that it kind of seems like Houston might prefer, but Brooklyn is not remotely interested in as of yet. Would you say no? Or I'm sorry, let me go back and let me do the, the title of the podcast. Who says no? Kyrie Irving for James Harden. Wait a second. We just made like a left turn off of a bridge here. I thought we were talking we were talking about Levert, Dinwiddie, and Allen. Well, I'll Agatha. tell you who says no to that. The, the Rockets say no to that. If they were going to make that trade, they would have made that trade. You think that that trade's been offered? Of course it's been offered. What else do the Nets have to give? All the if they were going to do just this. Mentioned. If they, no, the Kyrie trade hasn't been offered. The Levert version, of course that's been offered. The Nets have offered, I would assume everything that they can offer short of Durant and Irving. And if the Rockets were going to do that, I think James Harden would be a net right now. But clearly they're not, which is why we're having this conversation in the first place. So we can agree, I think, that the Nets offer without Kyrie Irving is not good enough. Frankly, I think with Kyrie Irving, it probably isn't good enough. But I'm just curious, philosophically speaking, if you were the Nets, would you trade Kyrie Irving plus some other stuff for James Harden? All right, so who says no to... James Harden for Kyrie Irving and maybe some other stuff. I think both would say no, right? Like that's I think the real isn't, thing. So isn't the whole point of this for James Harden to go to Brooklyn and play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, develop that big three? Isn't that the whole point? Or, or I think if Kevin Durant is healthy, and admittedly we don't know that for sure, but the indications are positive, 
If you have Harden and a healthy Durant, like that's enough star power wise. And you're just thinking, how can we build around those two guys? Having Kyrie Irving with those two is totally redundant. You need defense. You need off ball shooting. You need durability, frankly, given the risks of Durant and Kyrie Irving is not very durable. So I, if I could trade Kyrie Irving for James Harden, I would do it in a heartbeat. You would do it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't think? even think about it. The only holdup for me would be that Kevin Durant would not want you to do that because how dare you trade his bestest buddy. But right. if we're looking at this in pure basketball terms, I don't see any argument for keeping Kyrie over trading for James Harden if that's on the table. I don't think well, it's on the table. No, I don't think that that would be on the table. Yeah, I think I, I have to believe that those – that they're going to Brooklyn is going to try to get all three of those guys on the same team uh, at, at all costs before they would even consider throwing Kyrie Irving into the trade. But I mean, you mentioned that, like you know, uh, basketball wise on paper that that it might work to have uh, you know James Harden next to Kevin Durant, but you talk about all of the kind of off court you know, personality issues that you would have in that locker room. And now you throw in all the stuff that Harden's doing now in a first year coach and Steve Nash. I mean, I feel like this is all just a recipe for disaster, whether you keep Irving or not, you're just, you're shaking things up and you're, you're bringing in very, very strong personalities. And let's not forget that Duran and Irving haven't even played together yet. I would argue that most locker rooms that have lost Kyrie Irving, well, I guess only two locker rooms lost him. The last locker room that lost Kyrie Irving benefited greatly from it. So I would argue that maybe Brooklyn would be better off from a locker room perspective with Harden instead of Irving. But the real issue is if you're doing the whole Levert, Dinwiddie, Allen, et cetera, et cetera package, you have no depth and you have no defense. And right. as great an offense as those three would have, can you win the championship with the best offense and the 28th ranked defense? I don't well, I think, think you can. I think that this is what this is what the Lakers have just shown us, right? Is that we, I'm not saying that Durant and and Harden would be, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis, but it, it, they've shown us that if you can get two exceptional top of the top of the top of the line players, you can kind of piece in the rest with role players. And you know, all the talk before the playoffs was who's going to be the third scorer, who's going to step up, and it turned out it was nobody. It was KCP every third game. So, I mean, I can see the appeal of having, like, look, e even if they end up trading LeVert, Dinwiddie, Allen, all that stuff, and, and they end up with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie Irving, I mean, fill in the gaps as you go and see how far your talent can take you, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be in any sort of rush to do anything if I were them, unless, like, Irving for Harden straight up was on the table. I will say this, though. I'm a little worried that into the season, and with so many ball handlers and so much scoring on that team, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie are going to lose some trade value. Because last year, like, they both had, you know, stretches where they were really running the offense and looking like primary ball handlers. One of them is going to be the fourth scorer on that team. How valuable is that guy going to look? That's an excellent point. And I think that uh, that's always the danger with these things is timing, right? And, and we've seen it with, with Harden's trade demand in general is just – you know, is he doing the right thing by doing this now? Or should he have kept his mouth shut and started playing the season, not advertising to everyone and their mother that he wants to get traded, which keep, you know, obviously lowers his trade value because it makes Houston look desperate and he won't end up going to the situation that he wants to go to. So, I mean, I know these are human beings and, they, you know, they don't necessarily calculate all these things out, but uh, I think it, it would be very difficult for the Rockets to get, you know, as much value as they would have had Harden actually not made this trade demand public. 
So I think we can agree that the Brooklyn package is the floor. That's the worst that Houston can expect to do. That offer is presumably going to be on the table for the foreseeable future. So this so is the, this is the Levert, here. Dinwiddie draft picks yes. thing, not Kyrie Irving, just to be clear. Yes. The Irving is purely, you know, us speculating. But yes, the, the baseline package that the Rockets can expect is the Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen package. Everything from here, at least in our opinion, is better, but we don't know if it's on the table. So that'll take us up to the the next team on our list, which is the Miami Heat, which is another team that James Harden is presumably pretty interested in. We've disagreed a bit on the package here. What we can agree on is that Tyler Hero would be the centerpiece. You would probably have Goran Dragic and Andre Iguodala as the cat filler. And then you would include the 2025 and 2027 first round picks. The issue with that is because of the protections on the 2023 pick that the Heat owe to Oklahoma City, they would have to go to the Thunder and give them something to unprotect that pick so that per the Stepien rule, the 2025 and 2027 picks would become tradable. So that's the baseline package. Where we disagree is whether or not Duncan Robinson should be in that trade. Make your case that he shouldn't be. Well, first of all, if you had, you know, uh, 15 minutes for the first Stepien rule name drop, uh, congratulations, fill out your bingo card because you win. That That's going to be announced in pretty much every podcast that we do. Um, in terms of the heat, look, this is what we were just talking about, right? Like, this is a team coming off of the NBA Finals, a team with all sorts of momentum, a young budding star and Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, who apparently is a lot better than we thought he was. Now you're talking about getting rid of what is essentially your core guys, right? Tyler Hero is your best young player. Goran Dragic, the guy who got you there. Iguodala, this kind of Swiss Army knife who helped take you to the next level. I think personally that's a lot to give up. And then if you're talking about throwing in Duncan Robinson, I mean, he, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. If not the best, he fits in perfectly with what they do. And if you're trading for James Harden, you're going to need someone on the wing who can consistently knock down three-pointers for when he drives and kicks and all that gorgeous stuff that he likes to do. So I think if you're including Robinson, yeah, that that, that might be the sweetener that gets the deal done. But then what have you done to that team that just made the finals? And, and, and is Harden going to be a good fit in Miami where we know, uh, you know, once things hopefully get back to normal, the, the nightlife will be a calling to him. The battle for James Harden's soul between South Beach and Heat culture, I think we'd need a Last Dance documentary on that because it would be so fascinating. It's like, would Pat Riley be able to keep him in the gym or would the, the siren song of South Beach lure him away? But, could Harden be like an employee at Big Face Coffee, like help keep him in line? Well, Goran Dragic is their new spokesperson, so Harden would be lower on the totem pole there. Well, they'd be trading him, so they'd need to replace him, right? Oh, right. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe Dragons <laughs> can't be the, the spokesperson anymore. Um, everything you said about Duncan Robinson's fit on this Heat team is valid, but the Rockets would hear that and they would say, okay, you're probably right, but you're not getting James Harden. So I think it comes down to that. If you want to get James Harden, I'm sorry, you have to do things that are going to make you a little uncomfortable. And my response would be, the Heat found Duncan Robinson from absolutely nothing. He was undrafted. They kept him in the G League for a year, and then he was one of the best shooters in the NBA. This is the Miami Heat we're talking about. They can fill in the role player spots. They feel comfortable doing that. Now, I think the real argument here is whether the opportunity cost of giving up all of this now for Harden is worthwhile when it seems like they have a decent shot at Giannis next year. 
But if you do decide you're going to trade for James Harden, I think you just give up Duncan Robinson and you say that's the cost of doing business. If you're if you're the Heat, that's a great question. Who would you rather have, Harden or Giannis, with that roster? Or Harden, frankly, is a guarantee, but Giannis is more valuable in the long term. So it's do you take the guarantee now if you can get a deal done, or do you say we want to pitch Giannis in a year, and even if we don't get him, we have cap space to send, uh, spend on somebody else. It's interesting. And, and so you're basically saying the, the Rockets would say no to Hero, Dragic, Iguodala, and draft picks if you're not including Duncan Robinson, right? So, yes. I mean, I, is that is that package that much better than the Nets package without Robinson? I'd say no. It's Hero is better than any of the Nets prospects, but right. on my balance, counter, those packages are pretty similar. If I'm the Heat, my counter is here. If we give you Dragic, who can't be traded until February, by the way, just getting that out of the way because he recently signed a deal. So this deal would have to take place a little bit later in the year. But if I'm giving you Dragic and Iguodala, you're not keeping those guys if you're Houston, right? So they're getting flipped, you know, potentially for a young player, a first-round draft pick or whatever. So essentially, you know, that adds to this trade in terms of assets and compensation. So that, that would be my counter if I'm the Heat to, to the Rockets. And my counter to that is that if you're getting a first-round pick for Dragic and Iguodala or one of them or whatever, then you're probably taking back some bad salary that Houston doesn't want, especially with John Wall now on their books. Yeah, but yeah. so isn't the point of this that Houston's going to bottom out? We haven't really talked about the Rockets right. and what their uh, you know goals are for a hardened trade. If they're making this trade, the idea is they don't control their own first-round pick in 2021. They don't control their own pick in 24, 25, or 26. So get younger now. Suck when you do control your picks in 22 and 23. And then hopefully you're starting to get back on the upswing at that point. That's such a long way out, man. <laughs> so this is a, a new regime, right? A new, a new GM. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've read uh, any of this, this true hoop stuff that came out, but Henry Abbott wrote it's phenomenal. Uh, all these little things about the Houston organization over the years, but it basically ended with saying that the the search is already underway for the next head coach and GM in Houston, and these guys just got hired. So uh, I can't imagine what it's like to take this job and just uh, all of a sudden just be hit with this freight train as soon as you get there. I don't think you can have this job and operate as if you don't have a little bit of runway. Now, obviously, you can't trade James Harden and just get like a 2026 first round pick. You have to get something in the immediate, and I would think Tyler Hero would serve that that role. But let's be realistic. If they're trading James Harden, they're not going to be good in the next year or two, right? Outside is Hero, of is Hero a good enough young player? Is This is what they want, right? They want a young, uh, you know, if not all-star level, soon-to-be all-star level player. Is Hero good, and, and can he be that good? And, and do teams see him as being that type of player? I feel comfortable saying that the best version of Tyler Hero is going to, like, sniff the All-Star game. Like, be a top 30, 35 player. Like, I think that's the floor. I think the ball handling is going to get good enough that, like, if the best version of him is what the best version of Goran Dragic was, then, yeah, like, Goran Dragic made an All-NBA team. Like, that's an All-Star caliber player. But is he going to be the centerpiece of a championship team? No, I really don't think so. And I, I don't think he'd be the number two on a championship team either, frankly. But... He's 20. He has three years of team control on a rookie scale deal and then presumably five more after that. So it's not the best young player they can get, but I think it's an acceptable centerpiece. And the, before we just the last thing before we move on to the, to the next team, uh, are, are the Heat 
willing to do if you're the heat are you willing to do all of this to try to win the title now or are you content with having hero duncan robinson bam Adebayo, uh you know moving forward as as this kind of perennial contender with you know the caveat of the the cap space next summer and beyond this is one of the tougher decisions i'm gonna have to make on this podcast i am going to say i would do it but i wow. understand the idea of the heat being of anybody any heat fans or the heat themselves saying we don't want to gut the team for James Harden. Like the Heat have a very good thing going right now, and if they manage this right, they're going to be in contention for a decade. So I don't think that they need to blow it all up for one player. But if you have Butler, Harden, and Bam, man, that's that's really good. It is really good. But I'm also, you know, I, I wouldn't go near Harden personally if, if I'm the Heat. I think they got a good thing going there. But you know, that's why I am not. I don't blame you at all. I, I think that's totally justifiable to say, like, the Heat know that they're going to be very good for a long time. And based on their own history, when the Heat are very good for a long time, they usually get a championship at some point. So uh, to recap, if if the Heat are throwing in Duncan Robinson, uh, Rockets probably say yes. If they're not, Rockets probably say no. I think if Robinson is in there, that's one of the best offers they get. And I think I think the Heat in reality probably would say no, but I personally would say yes. Moving on. Number five team. What do you got? Your hometown team, Golden State Warriors. The package built around James Wiseman and the 2021 Minnesota pick protected in the top three. Then for the salary filler, you have Andrew Wiggins, presumably. Maybe we can talk about Clay Thompson, but I think we agree they would start with Wiggins. Now, Golden State also has... Only one other future pick that they can trade, which is their own in 2026. And even that would require making the pick they own Memphis unprotected. More steppy and rule fun. Oh, baby. I got to get one of those air those, horns like those. Those late, stage, <laughs> those late stage Warriors picks in like 25, 26, 27. Maybe you get swap rights on some. Those could be really valuable because Steph is already 32. What's Draymond? 30. Harden is 31. If you get picks from them and like. 25 26 27 and they're unprotected you might be looking at like top five picks i just love how you're acting like jordan Poole isn't on this roster like he's not going to be the face of the franchise in four years yeah that's great you You don't think the rockets are demanding the legendary jordan Poole in this deal you you also mentioned andrew wiggins called him salary filler how dare you listen i'm very optimistic about wiggins what wiggins is going to be in golden state i think curry is going to do wonders for him but somebody has to fill the salary hole in this deal would you rather trade Clay Thompson? I wouldn't, but I would wouldn't consider Wiggins and just call him salary filler. This is a well, young asset who, who could be a twenty-five point a game scorer for we'll you while you suck for a while. He's salary filler, but he's not dead salary, right? Like this isn't just taking on bad money to make it make it work. Like the Rockets would probably like to have Andrew Wiggins, all things considered. Yeah, I, I think they would. And I think he's going to have a good year. And I had him in my top 100, and he was left off of the CBS list, which is, I believe is a travesty. So He was not on my ballot. Ugh, ugh. All right, enough Wiggins. So, That's enough. Do you think that either Wiseman or the Minnesota pick, or together, like you might consider them as one sort of dual asset, do you think that's enough of a centerpiece? So here's my thing with the picks, right? Uh, we'll talk about Wiseman in a sec, but uh, I think – at least from what I hear, I did some draft work, you know, this year and kind of getting more into that area. And obviously this 2021 class, I'm sure everyone's heard is supposed to be like absolutely loaded. So 
in terms of draft picks, I think if the Rockets are getting picks, I think they're going to want 2021, uh, maybe 2022, because that could be a double draft type situation. Well, the Warriors what... can't trade that pick. They can right, right, right. I'm just I'm speaking in general yeah. terms. Okay. And then if you don't get either of those, then you're probably looking farther off because the teams you're trading with are going to be good teams and you want to take those picks as far away as possible with the hopes that eventually they get bad, right? So I do think that 2021 Minnesota pick, uh, I don't think Minnesota is going to be very good. There are so many good teams in the West this year. They're all trying to make the playoffs. I don't think Minnesota's there yet. So I think that's going to be a very valuable pick if that ends up, you know, five or six or something like that. In what's I have them 14th in the West. Yeah, exactly. At this moment, yeah. And then so, Wiseman, you don't need to talk to me about Wiseman. I talked to a Memphis assistant about him, and I'm completely sold, probably irrationally so. But, I mean, you know, 7-1, athletic. Uh, I, I think he's an easy guy that you can talk yourself into if you're doing a trade like this as being your future kind of centerpiece type guy. I think he would fit really well with Christian Wood, too. Just presuming Christian Wood can maintain the shooting he, he had last year. The real question at this point is how far into the future well is Golden State willing to dip? Because if they said we'll do swap rights on 2025 and 2027 and then we'll also give you 2026 unprotected, now the Rockets have to say, like, this is an all-time draft haul. This is the Paul George trade. If they won't do that, then I don't think that Wiseman and the Minnesota pick are enough. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, as much fun as a, a Wiggins-Wiseman would trio would be i don't know if that's gonna get the job done but are they so like you'd say okay well what about if we start talking about clay thompson right now does that change things uh, is that everybody wants clay thompson but is that something that that would sweeten the deal for the rockets uh, being in a position that they're in where they're probably not going to be contending for a while do you want clay thompson that massive contract coming off two huge injuries am i crazy for thinking that Right now, if you don't plan to win in the near future, Andrew Wiggins is a more valuable asset than Clay Thompson. Like, clearly, there are teams that would much rather take the chance on Clay. But if you're the Rockets and you're not going to win in the near future, do you really want Clay coming off of an Achilles on that huge contract? When, like, don't get me wrong, Andrew Wiggins is not remotely as valuable as a healthy Clay, but like, young potential, maybe a change of scenery helps him. I don't know. We didn't really get to see much of it in Golden State last year. Like, I don't think that Houston would really quibble between Wiggins and Thompson. The more interesting question, and I don't, I think we both agree that Golden State would rather trade Wiggins than Thompson. But is there an argument for Golden State to say, you know, we don't, we're not going to have Clay this year, and this Harden window is short. If we trade Clay, we have a better chance this year, but presumably a worse chance next year. What do you think their priorities are if they make this trade, and how good do you think they could be this year if they had James Harden? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, uh, I mean, I, I think if they get Harden, um, even without Clay, whether they trade him or whether he's just on the roster injured, uh, you're, you're a championship contender. We, we've talked about this. Uh, and the Lakers have, have made some great offseason moves. They're, you know, kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the NBA, in my opinion, in terms of uh, coming in as the favorites. But look, LeBron's old. Anthony Davis is injury prone. He admitted it when he signed his contract that that was on his mind uh, why he did that long extension. So, I think the Lakers are one injury away from potentially, you know, dropping from that spot. Who knows what's going to happen with the Clippers? So I think if the if the Warriors end up with Harden and, and Steph Curry and Draymond Green, uh, that that's a championship contender to me personally. I think if you have Harden and Curry, basically no matter what else you have, 
you have the number one offense in the NBA. Like, I think we can lock that down pretty safely. The defense would be worse. It would probably be below average. But, man, that offense would be really fun. And, and you still have Kelly Oubre. We haven't mentioned him in any of these trades. So if they still have him, I, don't I mean, know that's how good that's... the Draymond is, if we're being yeah. honest. I think that if you just had the Draymond, Curry, Harden trio, you're a contender. You're not the favorite. The Lakers are the favorite. But something that we've talked about off air is there's a difference between being a Lakers level favorite and being the 2017 Warriors. The Lakers are not Thanos. They are not inevitable. Not even close. They're more right, like they're that. The What's the like, Marvel guy who's got the arrow? That guy was always super lame. Okay, first of all, it's Hawkeye. Second of all, did I start a podcast with somebody who does not care about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I could, I, I almost literally couldn't care. I think I've seen two of them, and it was just because they were on Netflix. Okay, I, so I'm looking for a new podcast host. If anybody <laughs> out there hears this and is interested. I, I just can't get into it, man. It's like... It's like Star Wars. It's just like, yeah, I watch them. You don't but like I don't... Star Wars either? Dude, we're watching The Mandalorian, me and my wife. And like, the first season was like pretty cool. And then we get to the next two, and we're like, we're like do you want to keep watching this? We're like, I don't know. Not really. I just don't have that desire to watch it. So I don't know, well, man. I respect the work. I, I think it's unbelievable, the stuff that they do, both visually and with their storytelling in both the Marvel and Star Wars universes. But hey, not for me. For those that don't know, Colin went to Yale. So I'm sure you have some great William Faulkner takes. But I have a William Faulkner book on my bookshelf right next to me while you said that. Uh, you know, by the way, just off topic. And we've already <laughs> gone off. This is off topic to the off topic. I did a Madden my career recently. And when you get to like later in the career, all of the players are, you know, computer generated. There's a defensive end on the Jets named William Faulkner. And it made me very happy. But anyway. Hey. I named my NBA 2K, uh, like, my career guy named Franz Kafka, so that's what we're doing. I chose a podcast host that went to Yale, ladies and gentlemen. I should have known that. I just do that stuff to show off and make it look like I'm smart, or really, I just uh, watch cat videos all day. Okay, we got to get back to basketball. Um, bottom line, I think the doability for the Rockets comes down to the future picks for Golden State. If they were really willing to say, take all of our future picks, then I think you have something. If not, I don't think they're going to. Okay. I like, I mean, I like it. I think with Wiggins, you got a guy who can kind of bridge the gap and keep you somewhat entertaining. Uh, Wiseman, I, I, depending on your thoughts on him, I think that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Houston could definitely view him as a centerpiece. And then, like you said, the picks, uh, personally, I, I like that package. Uh, obviously I'm a, I cover the Warriors. So I, I know that getting a guy like Harden would be a little bit challenging just in terms of they've already had Durant there and seen the kind of turmoil that, you know, uh, they won two championships. I don't think they would change anything with that. Just saying. With what if they get Harden and he's Durant, but without the championships? What if they get Harden and they just have four stars again next season and they win seventy games? Yeah. Well, we. I mean, we can get into this too, but like, I, I guess I'm just. Uh, it's so hard to judge what Harden is going to be like, uh, and in an actual team concept based on the way he's played with the Rockets over the past few seasons. Just because you know he's a prolific scorer, but if he's not ISOing 400 times a game, like what is what does he look like on the Warriors and a team that's predicated on screening and cutting and off-ball movement? I just it, it's a big question mark for me, even as talented as Harden is. How we don't think he's going to age well, do we? Just as like an aside on Harden in general, he's I also think the window is like two or three years. He also has one of those bodies where like he's never really in shape, so like 
maybe that plays to his advantage as he gets older. You know what I mean? He's got all the old man tricks already, so I don't know if he's going to break down, particularly the level of effort he gives defensively, <laughs> unless that changes. Well, imagine if he got to Miami and Pat Riley just got him in amazing shape. Like, would he average 45 points a game? See, that's what I, I guess that's my question. I don't think so, but I'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah. And it would also be great to see if uh, whoever ends up getting traded for him gets to play that role in Houston, even though I know it's a new coach. But if they uh, if they were like Wiggins, just ISO, just ISO all the time, and it's just like he was in Minnesota again, like how many points could he score? With that, with John Wall clogging the clogging the paint for him, I don't think he would score all that many. But uh, anyway, I keep forgetting John Wall's on the team. Yeah, moving on. Uh, I like it for the Warriors. Uh, I could see why Houston might be hesitant unless they get a lot of those, uh, you know, pretty juicy picks down the road. So number four, Denver Nuggets. I think we both agree, and we can talk about this more depth, that Jamal Murray for now is not on the table. So that would leave a package of Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, Will Barton, maybe Bull Bull. I, I guess I assume that the Rockets would be interested. And then why don't we throw in two first-round picks, let's say 25 and 27. So who says no to that? Whew. I think the Rockets say no. But I think it's- I agree. It's close, though. Like, I mean, obviously we rank these for a reason. I think this is a better deal for the Rockets than the Warriors would have been, uh, depending on your thought. It really comes down to how you feel about Michael Porter Jr. And, uh, you know, I, I've i heard all over the board assessments of Porter Jr. from, you know, he's going to be uh, the next superstar to his attitude and he can't play defense and all this stuff. Do you think that the, the bubble performance... I know statistically he was great um, in the playoffs. He played pretty well. There was all, you know, the off-court stuff, talking about Mike Malone's offense and all that stuff. Do you think that the bubble helped his trade value or hurt it? Probably helped it just because it showed off the upside. And if he had just scored 14 points every night, I think the Nuggets would have said, like, well, okay, we've got ourselves a good player here. But from a trade value perspective, like, it's always upside. That's the thing that teams want to trade for. So my real issue with Porter is it's not necessarily that I think that what happened in the bubble isn't sustainable. Like he's in his second year. Like he might be a 25 points per game scorer. I feel like we forget about injury issues way too quickly. He missed his entire rookie season. And then he had like what? 10 good games in the bubble, less, something like that. I don't know. I feel like we're a bit quick to call Michael Porter Jr. This totally untouchable trade asset. The other issue that Denver has here, Golden State's future picks are really, really valuable because their best players are all old. Nikola Jokic is not old. As long as Denver has Jokic, and you know maybe he leaves in free agency or something, but presumably they're going to have him for the long haul, that makes their future picks not as valuable. So there's a real reliance here on Porter being the centerpiece of this trade and being the guy that Houston can really sell and say, like, we traded James Harden to get Michael Porter. And with his injury issues, I'm not sure. I, I, I go back to what I was saying earlier about if you trade Harden and, and kind of want to plug somebody into a similar role like I I mean I can't even imagine how excited Michael Porter Jr. would be I I, I talked to him during his rookie season he had had a pretty good stretch of games right before he got injured and uh, he was talking about how he's been waiting you know this is a guy who's the number one player in his class in high school uh, was expected to be you know if not the number one pick at least you know top five pick uh, before he had his back injury so he he knows his talent and he knows how good he is so sometimes that comes across the wrong way, but he's been waiting and waiting and waiting. So if he went to a place like Houston, I could see how if they were in a rebuilding situation, he would just go 
absolutely bananas and kind of, uh, you know, maybe have more opportunity than what he is in Denver. Because if you're Denver and you're saying, all right, we've got Nikola Jokic, we've got Jamal Murray, and these guys are locked up. These are our guys. Yes, Michael Porter is, is a great player. He's going to have a bigger role now that Jeremy Grant's gone. But could we fill that role with somebody who is, you know, not quite as good as him and then end up with a guy like James Harden or, you know, somebody like that that you could trade for? So in terms of looking at at Porter as, as an untouchable asset, I think you just you have to keep everything in context. And if you already have two franchise players who are very young and very, very good, maybe that third guy, Porter, he might end up being great, but but it might not be what's best for the Nuggets themselves. Well, I think if they were going to trade Porter, ideally, they'd want to get somebody who's just an awesome defender. And obviously, he has to be very good on offense, too, because you're trading somebody in Porter who has a ton of value. But like if Drew Holiday were a couple of years younger, then Porter for Holiday would have made a lot of sense. Or, you know, like somebody in that ilk is probably what Denver would look to trade Porter for could if they, they trade get, him at all. Could they get uh, P.J. Tucker thrown into the deal somehow? Could we do that? That's probably do. I mean, there's enough matching salary. Houston wouldn't have much of a need for Tucker. Right, I mean, and he's already doable, mad at them because they won't pay him. And Denver pays all of their own guys. Like, they paid Mason Plumley for years. And then Detroit so, was like, hold my beer. Is Mason Plumley just going to make mid-level money for, like, the rest of our lives? Is that what we're headed for? I think maybe my favorite quote of the offseason was, uh, we, we're ready for Mason Plumley to have a bigger role offensively. <laughs> that's, on. what every, that's what we've all been yearning for. Jokic Come was on. holding him back. Come on, guys. Um, I have totally lost my train of thought on the Nuggets on this Plumlee divergence. Is Porter um, good enough to trade to be the centerpiece of a James Harden trade? Since, as you've mentioned, those picks yes. might not be the most valuable. I kind of want to see the Nuggets play for, like, 15 games and just get a little more tape on him. Right? Like, I mean, the bubble, I think it's, if not sustainable, like a realistic high point. I'd just kind of like to see what he is within the context of a good team over a meaningful stretch of games, outside of the weird bubble circumstances. So I guess I would say TBD on that question. Do you think Denver, if they had Murray, Jokic, and Harden, would win the championship? Because that's another one of those teams that would have the best offense in the NBA, but probably a well below average defense. Well, this is uh, one question that I really had heading into it, because you don't want to trade Jamal Murray, but does acquiring... James Harden, does that, I mean, we saw what Murray was able to do in the bubble in the playoffs and just like being the guy like, here, take the ball, you know, whether it's pick and roll or pull up jumpers, whatever, and just make something happen. He just really flourished in that role and became consistent. They got the consistency that they've been waiting for. If you add James Harden to the mix, are you are you stifling Jamal Murray's development? I'd be really afraid of that. Um, you know, a lot of these teams that we're talking about Harden going to, have kind of established players, you know, are, are ready to win now. The Nets, the Heat, uh, the Warriors, but the Nuggets are—they're—they're they, you know, they're, they're ahead of their timetable in terms of making it to the Western Conference Finals. So, are you stifling that development by adding a guy like Harden into the mix and saying, "All right, now we're ready to win right now"? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the Nuggets don't have to make any big moves. I know we got conditioned to think about them in that way because of all the Drew Holiday rumors and some of the Bradley Beal rumors before that. But, like, everyone on the Nuggets is under 25. Like, they can just wait this thing out. And that's the worst thing for that, that fans don't want to hear and that, that players don't want to hear, right? Like, they all they all want to win. And, and we, we, we've seen this so many times. I mean, the Thunder come to mind, the Durant-Westbrook-Harden Thunder, where it's like, well, this team's going to be in the finals for the next eight years. But 
you know, things happen. And uh, I'm sure the Nuggets feel the exact same way that if they kind of try to ride this out, anything can happen. So if you have the opportunity to get a guy like Harden, you at least have to consider it. And if it if it doesn't involve sending Jamal Murray, I think that that that's something you have to really consider. Yeah, I think if they could do it with just Porter, they'd probably do it and just say, we'll figure out the defense later. But I don't think Houston does that. And then if you go the other way, I, I think Houston would love Jamal Murray. I don't think the Nuggets would do that. I agree with you. That's enough Nuggets talk. Nobody cares about the Nuggets. This is the one team that hasn't really been linked outside of like the Twitter dark webs. What about the Raptors? So here's my take. We Toronto, saw, the Toronto Raptors or the Tampa Bay Raptors? Maybe they were in Louisville for a minute. The, the East Coast Raptors, let's call them. So we saw this when Kawhi was a free agent. He went to the Clippers. I mean, obviously he wanted to go home, but he wouldn't go until they got Paul George, which sent a message that he looked at Paul George as a superstar and Pascal Siakam as something less. I imagine when the Raptors get to free agency in 2021, when they pursue Giannis and whoever else, they're probably going to run into a similar problem just based on what happened in the bubble. Now the 2021 season can maybe change our opinion a bit, but I think we can be realistic and say right now the Raptors don't have a superstar, but what if they traded for one? So what if they offered Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, and two unprotected first, 2024, 2026, for Harden? Who says no? I'll tell you who says no, Raptors fans. Those guys are going to be up in arms, getting rid of their, their two chosen children. Pascal they Siakam, traded DeMar oh, DeRozan. I think they traded Siakam. I don't know. I think the love is stronger. Um, but uh, in terms of the actual teams, I think ooh, that's that's nice. I'm, I, I'm glad you brought this team up because not a lot of people are talking about them. Actually, you might be the first person I've heard talk about them with regards to Harden. Um, and here's the thing you have to think about, right? If they're not on his chosen list of you know teams that he wants to go to, how does that affect him? That means you get two two more years of Harden right on like $85 million dollars. And if it's two unhappy years or if he pulls this again and requests another trade a year from now, you've given up, you know, who's arguably your best young player in Pascal Siakam. So it's hard. I, I, again, this this kind of reminds me of the Miami situation, although I guess the Raptors probably aren't as good as Miami right now. But they have such a good culture and, and foundation there. I think they're more than content to, to build with their young players as they kind of phase Kyle Lowry into the later stages of his career. Um, personally, if I'm the Raptors, I say no, but if I'm the Rockets, that is a very, very intriguing package. I think the Raptors are in a lot of danger of becoming the perpetual bridesmaid where they're like a three seed every year, like they were before Kawhi, but then just get blasted in the Eastern conference finals or in the second round. Do you think they're getting honest? Because I don't, if I they think get, if he's leaving, it's Miami or Dallas. If they get hardened, do, can they still get Giannis? My inclination is that it would probably have to be a sign and trade, which creates some complications. And they wouldn't have that much to trade unless they're giving up like Ananobi or Van Fleet or, you know, right. something else of value. Like it would drastically change the roster. But like I think Masai could find a way without looking at a cap sheet. My my more pertinent question is like, do you really need to go after Giannis at that point? Like if your top four is Harden. Van Vliet, Lowry, Ananobi. You have Aaron Baines, who's like a, as far as fifth starters go, pretty pretty solid. And Toronto's bench is always good. You could put Kyle Lowry out there with like 
I don't know, four AAU players, and he'd be fine. And they got Chris I, Boucher, baby. Chris Boucher is just a staple of the Lowry plus bench lineups that, like, historically speaking, when you've done your apprenticeship on those lineups for, like, two years, you become a high-end starter after that. So, maybe. I love them. Um, I'm not sure with Harden if they're a championship team. Do you think they are? I don't think so, but... I, again, I, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but I really, you know, it's it's the secret. It's it's they got some good stuff going there, and bringing Harden in as as great of a player as he is, I mean, the Raptors are are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. What does that look like with James Harden? They they share the ball, you know, they have a, a they were certain style of play. Court offense last year. Say that I think again. Harden could, they were they were 19th in half court offense last year. I feel like James Harden could go a long way in fixing that. And it, yeah, I mean, to that point, you do, you don't have to look up the stats to watch them in the playoffs and see the stretches and stretches of zero points because they just have no one who can create a shot. I just look at the Kawhi trade and I say, they're pretty happy with how that turned out. You're obviously giving up substantially more in this deal, but you're also getting two years of Harden instead of one year of Kawhi. And I don't know, like the top of the East is pretty vulnerable. Like the Bucks are kind of a time bomb right now. The Nets have all of those health concerns. Boston lost Gordon Hayward. Like I think the East is generally quite good, but I also think it's sort of available for the taking. I think that this is something we talked about offline too, but I, I think the key to this for Toronto is how good they think Ananobi can be. Because uh, we've talked about Siakam. He, he made a leap again last year. He's averaging a lot more points, but his efficiency dropped. And we saw in the playoffs, I mean, obviously he was struggling mightily to be even a number three option, let alone a number one option. So if you think that Ananobi can approximate what Siakam got or what Siakam's role would be uh, with a guy like James Harden, then I think you're not as reluctant to let go of Siakam if you can get Harden. Because as you mentioned, your stat on the the half-court offense really kind of maybe think about this in a new way because I do remember watching those Raptors games and thinking that they just need someone who could create offense. But uh, the defense, I think, would be a real issue. But I, I, I think it would require... Yeah, go ahead. Let me argue for the defense. To hear it. James Harden's one real like pro on defense, that he defends the post pretty well. You could still keep him in that role with these guys, right? Like Lowry and Van Vliet are defending the backcourt. Have Ananobi defend the threes or like, the high usage wing, whoever it is on the other team, and just just let Harden defend fours. And you can let I mean Lowry and Van Vliet can defend fours too. Those well, Lowry and Van Vliet can guys. defend Godzilla. They don't care. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think the defense like I personally right now have Toronto, let's say penciled in, not penned in, as the projected number one defense for next year. If you add Harden in place of Siakam, they're going to get worse. But like, you get down to six or do you go down to 16 because that's the difference between winning a championship and not contending and you get you know a huge bump in offense theoretically right yeah like i think i would tentatively say the raptors with james harden if they're not favorites with the bucks like maybe they're co-favorites maybe they're slightly below i would have them firmly as like significantly improved upon last year's team true championship contenders so uh... Sam, are you saying would you you would say yes if you're the Raptors? If I'm the Raptors, I would make this trade. I think realistically, they are not going to do anything major until they've heard what Giannis has to say. But I just want to put this out there. 
I think there's a non-zero chance that they trade Siakam for somebody better at some point. Like maybe it's Bradley Beal. Maybe it's, you know, one of any number of players. But like clearly right now, they don't have a number one on a championship team. And if they want to recruit somebody like that in free agency, I don't know if anybody's super enthused about playing with Siakam. That's a good point. But are the Rockets enthused about getting Siakam back for James Harden as the main centerpiece? I feel like if he was a normal rookie and he came into the league at 19, they might feel a little better about it. But he's 26. Like, he's not that young relative to what you typically expect in one of these trades. I feel like this is the sort of trade where the Rockets would, like, have a a lot of meetings about it. We would hear leaks, and then they would ultimately say no. But I could see them doing it. Yeah, and if if the Pistons think Jeremy Grant uh, can be a dominant offensive player, I'm sure a team can convince themselves that Siakam could be a you know first team All NBA scoring type of guy. That's gonna be like the bingo of this game. How many Pistons digs can we get in per episode? Just throwing them down. I I love it, man. I I love when teams do weird stuff. Like it really uh, like I love the the Rays in baseball. They like have the opener and they you know do all this weird stuff. I love that. Jaleel Okafor is on the Pistons. Don't uh, Big Jaw is my man. He's my man. Don't mess with him. What that. purpose does that serve? He's gonna go. He's gonna go huge. Just wait. Just proving the haters wrong. He's gotten so in shape is, for like the seventh consecutive summer. Best shape of his life until next summer. Um, <laughs> number two is I think this is the one team on the list that Harden probably says no to just for championship timeline reasons. It's clearly the most fun, and I think if this is the one team that if Philly put Ben Simmons on the table. This is the one team that could maybe top that. New Orleans Pelicans. Brandon New Ingram Orleans. is the centerpiece. Yes. Now, as you've mentioned, with, um, with a couple other guys who have just signed this summer, cannot be traded until February, so you have to wait. But beyond him, they have a bunch of young guys. They have Lonzo Ball, Jackson Hayes, Josh Hart, Nikhil Walker, Alexander Walker. Eric Bledsoe is like a solid starting point guard right now. But really... What you have from New Orleans is all of those picks, and they're not going to offer all of them. But I just want to point this out. If they made the biggest offer they could possibly make, the Pelicans could offer the Rockets eight first-round picks. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Would eight you trade James Harden picks. for eight first-round picks like no other players involved? <laughs> I, think, I think Houston would, man, if they could get all eight of those. By the well, way, side also, note. Have... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask which one of those picks you think is the, the juiciest pick because there's a gajillion of them. Probably the late stage Milwaukee pick. 2027 one, Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, they also have swap rights from Milwaukee too, I believe 24 and 26. So if you really want to talk about everything they could give, they could trade up to eight first round picks, but then they also have swap rights from the Bucks and the Lakers. So they could send like the greatest package of draft assets of all time. We don't think that they would give up all of those picks, but if Brandon Ingram is, let's say Brandon Ingram is your centerpiece, Lonzo Ball will put in there too. Eric Bledsoe is your cat filler, or is most of your cat filler. Well, I guess with Bledsoe, actually Ingram's on the max, so you don't even really need cat filler, but we'll put him in there anyway. And then I don't know, how many first round picks do you want to say? Two? I guess, yeah, I think it would have to be. Man, how do you view Ingram? This is, uh, I guess, this is what it comes down to for me in all these trades. It's like, how good is the young player that they're getting, right? And especially with Ingram now on a max, like you got to really, really believe in that guy well, as being a centerpiece of your rebuild. He's 23, right? Like this is only going to be his fifth year. 
presumably the the blood clot issue is a non-factor. I don't know how much I trust the shooting, and I I've seen him play great defense. There were moments on the Lakers where he played great defense. He did not play great defense last year or anything remotely resembling it. I'd feel comfortable if I were the Rockets taking him and saying, for now, he's our primary scorer. Down the line, he'll probably be our number two. The question is, like, what can he be everywhere else on the floor? Because if he's a very good defender, which he has the potential to be, if he's a pretty good playmaker, which he's been in the past, he played some point guard for the Lakers. Now you're talking about, like, a pretty consistent all-NBA guy. If he's just going to score 24, 25 points and not do much else, yeah, that's kind of a disaster unless you're getting a bunch of picks. Which, to your point, maybe they are. And also, like, are Ingram and Lonzo going to just, like, room together everywhere that they go? They're just going to be traded in tandem for the rest of their lives? What's the super, what superstar could Houston trade the pair for afterward? Maybe they go for Bradley Beal. Oh. And reunite him with Ron Wall! <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing it all full circle. Oh man! But yeah, I mean these Lakers guy—they gotta—I don't know. I don't. I don't. Okay, so let's look at this from New Orleans' perspective. What? Why would you do this? Why would you trade Ingram, the guy you just signed to a max contract, coming off most improved player, uh, you know, potential good creator scorer next to Zion, defensive potential? Why are you trading him for James Harden, who who does not? Uh, fit your timeline whatsoever and is also potentially going to be unhappy with not going to one of the teams that he wanted to go to. The Harden Zion pick and roll would be totally unstoppable. Like I have no answer for that whatsoever. The general potential of those two on the same offense, like imagine Zion running your fast breaks and scoring your transition points. And then, Oh, you know, we have to slow it down. We're in the half court. Guess we'll give the ball to James Harden now. Like it's a very like magic and Kareem sort of thing. Not to compare that duo, like clearly that's one of the best of all time, but you know it's that sort of thing where you have one utterly transcendent half-court player and one utterly transcendent um, transition player. The defense would be a problem. But I look at New Orleans and I have a hard time pegging a timeline for them because with Zion's health, like it's sort of like Embiid in Philly. Do you really want to play the 10-year game? Do you really want to wait and like waste years of his career? I'm not so sure. You also got to look at... Uh... So we've done this with most teams, but like if if New Orleans gets James Harden and they give up Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, uh, where are they in the West? Are they better than the Lakers? Are they better than the Clippers? Are they well, better than the Nuggets? It's hard to say, but remember, after this trade, they still have a million picks to trade. So like if they wanted to go out and say, wow, it's cool that we have James Harden and Zion now, but what if we go get Bradley Beal too? Like obviously he's not available right now, but... Just like they could go out and get whoever else they wanted if they really wanted to go all in on the present. It's a dangerous game, but uh, let me say. It is, and I don't think they would go that route, but I'm just putting it out there. If I'm Houston, I think I'm saying yes to this. I think Ingram, Lonzo, who I love, who, you know, he gets a bad rap, but I think he's still going to be really good. And then I guess it just comes down to what picks you get. But if you can get three of those first round picks, to go with Lonzo and Ingram and whatever else, I, th- I think you're going to have a hard time finding a better deal. This is the one team that could top Philly, and we'll get to Philly in a second, if they really, really went for it. Like, short of, you know, Miami offering Bam or Denver offering Jamal Murray, like, Harden is Philly's to lose if they're willing to give up Ben Simmons. The Pelicans are the one team that can really make Houston. 
wow, like this is okay. We have to go have a meeting about something else. We may not be getting a true superstar, but we're getting so much other stuff that this is at least somewhat tempting. And those picks that the Pelicans have, and we talk a lot about them, them and the Thunder with all these, you know, the gajillion picks, they're just going to be alternating first round picks for the next eight years. But you you got to do something with those before they turn into like number 24 or, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I feel like you can collect all these assets and we've seen it in Boston and other places where suddenly those things don't look as appealing as they are. Like, you know, so, Cleveland, Cleveland traded Kyrie for that pick that ended up being like 10th or whatever, you know, it's well, just... Two notes. First, we saw this with Boston. What happens when you have all those picks is that you don't have enough minutes for them. So you make the picks and then they become players that just sit on your bench. So it just becomes a wasted asset. Second, I just want to make a general point about New Orleans. If I were them, I would start divesting myself of the Milwaukee assets to some extent now because you don't know if Giannis is coming back. So right now they have three first round picks from the Bucks and two swap rights. If I were them, I would go shop some of those picks and say, hey, if Giannis leaves, this is a premium asset. If he doesn't, well, you took it, you took a chance. Like I wouldn't want to keep all five of those Milwaukee assets on the chance that Giannis stays. I would be shopping some of them around and trying to diversify my picks a little bit. Yeah, I like it. I see why you why we had this one uh number two on the list. Um I think that's a that's an attractive package for the Rockets. But in your opinion at least there's one package that's a little bit better and what would that be? Do you really want to argue this? If, if Philly puts Ben Simmons on the table, they win. That nobody's offering more than Ben Simmons unless the Pelicans really go whole hog. If the Rockets can get Ben Simmons, that's their franchise player for the next at least five years. So do you have any argument with that fact? Yeah, I mean, we could argue that what is Ben Simmons if he's by himself? You know what I mean? Like, if you get Brandon Ingram on the team, I'm not saying Brandon Ingram is better than Ben Simmons, but if you get Brandon Ingram on your team, you know that guy's going to score 25 points a game and do certain things. If you put Ben Simmons on a rebuilding team next to John Wall, what what is your goal? Like, what are you doing, and how well, do you turn that into a successful team? First of all, I'm banishing John Wall to the phantom zone. Like, he's not coming anywhere near the court when Ben Simmons is on it. Can we Sorry, John. him? Can we still do that? I might just straight... I, no, I wouldn't cut him. I wouldn't... Waving and stretching is... That's a cap disaster. But I just wouldn't care about John Wall that much. I would just keep him as a big salary. And then in two years, I would trade him as an expiring for hopefully a pretty big piece to put alongside Simmons. For now, I would just say, get the franchise player, figure it out as you go. Right from there, maybe you trade P.J. Tucker for somebody a bit younger. You know, maybe you look for shooting to put around Simmons. If I'm making this deal, I'm giving up James Harden. I don't have a chance to win the championship this year either way. So what I'm really thinking about is how do I win the championship two, three, four years down the line? Simmons is a nice start. You obviously have a lot of work to do. I would just say spend the next few years getting as much shooting as possible. Then in two years, when John Wall is a big expiring, now you can start saying, okay, let's package some of our picks, whatever ones are left. But they did get three. They got two for Covington. They got another one recently. Now you can maybe start shopping some of those things to get, if not a co-star, a big name to put put alongside Simmons. And now you have your next contender. So if you just to get this straight, if you're trading Ben Simmons for James Harden, that's the Philly has to throw in something like Mike Scott or whatever yeah, for to make the deal happen. But you're not getting picks. You're not getting anything either way. I mean. 
who's topping Ben Simmons? That's the question. If New Orleans comes in and says, hey, here are eight first-round picks, then maybe Philly has to put something else in. But, like, right now, what's Philly's motivation to give up Thibel or to give up more picks or to give up anything else of value, really? Nobody's topping Ben Simmons. And if you, you know, you talk about this all the time, but if you're getting, you know, uh, Lonzo, Ingram, Bledsoe, like, you might actually be too good. And if you're yeah. just getting Simmons and, and you know, praying for lottery balls, that's probably a better situation if you're Houston. So I would still imagine they would give up their pick to Oklahoma City this year. I don't think they would be – I don't think they would get a top four pick for Simmons or with know, Simmons man. on their roster, rather. I don't know. But you'd have your 22 and 23 picks that, like, might be pretty valuable in a deep west. But really, I think the, the moment you're looking for – is two years down the line when Wall's expiring. Because when you have 40-some-odd million dollars in expiring salary, that can really get you something. By that time, has Ben Simmons gone back to Australia and done a, you know, an outback uh, bush journey like Dirk Nowitzki did? I feel like he has to lose at a later stage in the playoffs before he does that. Dirk did that after the finals. Like, I'm I feel just like saying, that's if the- Simmons goes from the Sixers, who are at least considered to be in title contention, even if they may not be, it goes to a rebuilding Houston team with nobody. That's depressing, man. I don't. I, I feel like Simmons would really like the idea of being out of Embiid's shadow. Philly loves Embiid. Those yeah. fans are never going to accept Simmons as their franchise player. Is that a thing? That's a thing. Yeah, they. Embiid is their guy. Embiid is the process incarnate. I'm so anti-Embiid sometimes, man. Just the the personality and the. What do you have against fun, Colin? I like fun, but like fun has to like you got to back it up on the court. You can't be like out of shape and you know turning the ball over twelve times a game and then tweeting about how you're inside Hassan Whiteside's headspace. Well, is that really that hard? Hassan Whiteside got the minimum. Like that's just like, dude, underrated signing for the Kings. I know it's not the time or place, but come on, guys, twenty twelve. We've clearly exhausted every possible topic if we're talking about Hassan Whiteside. I think you brought him up. You brought him up. I just couldn't let it go. I, I'm, you know what? More power to you. If you're really interested in Hassan Whiteside on a basketball team that's trying to win games, well, I guess the Kings aren't. So there you go. Yeah, but exactly. anyway, bottom line, the important part. If the Rockets can get Ben Simmons for James Harden, they've done their job. They've traded their old superstar for a young superstar. You think that's all they're looking for? I think that that would be enough. They would obviously ask for more. They would ask for draft picks. And if I'm Philly, I say, no, I'm giving you a, I'm giving you a superstar several years younger who you at least have under team control for a while. Who knows if he'd want to stay there, but you'd have somebody that you could build around, which right now you don't because Harden doesn't want to be there. Right. That's what I'm almost kind of wondering is, is does Philly ask for some sort of compensation? Like you're getting a player with only two years left on his contract who's aging and you're giving up who at least who you believe is a, you know, perennial all NBA player. I wonder if they would ask for Tucker and then give up picks back. Of course, then you have to match salary, which then you might have to wait a little bit longer. Like, you can't trade Terrence Ferguson right now because he's in the 60-day aggregation window. But maybe if you wait a little bit longer, Terrence Ferguson, Furkan Korkmaz go to Houston. P.J. Tucker goes back to Philly, something like that, maybe with a pick. So what, what is Philly's ceiling if they get James Harden and lose Ben Simmons? Ceiling is championship. The floor is more interesting. I think that would be the best team in the East. Really? Yeah. I 
I am a huge, huge proponent of the idea that Joel Embiid plus one ball handler plus a bunch of shooting is just automatically a very good team at the very least. James Harden is better than pretty much any ball handler you could get. You're obviously not going to run much pick and roll because Joel Embiid just doesn't really roll. But you have maybe the best one-on-one offensive player in basketball, and you have one of the best defenders in Embiid, and you have guys like Danny Green, great 3 and D guy. Matisse Thibel, I think, is a future defensive player of the year candidate. Like, you have the perfect role players for that sort of team. You've already you've brought up a, a very interesting point, and that is, so if, if Embiid isn't rolling, and he's not going to be happy standing in the dunker spot where Harden does not all his stuff, is he become a pick-and-pop guy, which he'd already complained about because he's not a very good three-point shooter? I guess my question is, like, what is Embiid with Harden on the court? Well, I do think you would do some pick-and-pop, and I think Doc Rivers would look him in the eye and say, like, oh, you don't like it? Tough. You have to do things you don't like to win championships. I would hope to see him roll a bit more, but clearly he doesn't seem interested in doing that. But would it be that crazy for, like, Harden to space the floor on some Embiid post-ups? No. Like, you can't double Joel Embiid if James Harden is lurking on the other side of the floor. I wonder when the last time James Harden shot a catch-and-shoot three-pointer was. Maybe, like, 2012? I think he shoots, like, 25 a year. I don't know the <laughs> number. I'm sure it's bigger than 25, but, like, he could do it. He just doesn't do it very often. I don't know if he could do it. That's, I mean, I, I don't know if he... He's not a great three-point shooter, and it, it works out. He was on out Russell be- Westbrook's team last year. Like, of course he had to do it a little bit. It works out because he shoots so many that, you know, metrics-wise, it, it ends up being favorable. But if I don't know if he's a good shooter, a three-point shooter, and I definitely don't know if he's a good catch-and-shoot well, three-point shooter. So I, I guess my, my point is the fit with Embiid. I don't know if it'll be uh, – it's better than Simmons, but I don't know if it'll be well, great for him. It's not as clean as, like, Harden and Anthony Davis, but, like, guess what? No other big men is Anthony Davis, right? Like, they all have flaws. Yeah. I guess if you're just going to make a move that big, it better be for someone who you know is going to work well with Joel Embiid. I think the talent is so great that you just do it and you figure the rest out later. What about Maury? Does he want Harden back or is he ready to wipe his hands? It's kind of starting to feel like he doesn't, right? Yeah. I feel like if he was going to offer Ben Simmons, he would have done it by now. I really think, I've talked to you about this before, but I think if this Philly, this Simmons-Harden trade gets done, it's got to be later in the year. I think that the the new front office and the the... New, you know, they want to see how Simmons and Embiid work together for a while, see if they can make this happen with the shooting around them, uh, as opposed to that horrible roster that they had the last few seasons. So I think they want to that, see how that works before they go all that's in. That's totally him. justifiable because when they've had Embiid plus Simmons plus shooting, those lineups have killed. And now they got shooting. They had Danny Green, who, you know, Lakers fans might not know this, but Danny Green makes threes every once in a while. Seth I felt really bad for Danny Green, not just because of all of the ridiculous death threats after game five, but like he went from a 40% shooter to like a 36% shooter and Lakers fans treated him like he was like old school Rondo. It's a bit much. Dude, I looked and Philly up. is not exactly forgiving, so I'm a little worried. I was writing a story of some sort and I wanted to talk about how Danny Green struggled shooting in the playoffs. Not the case. Yes, you did pretty well. You know who had the best offensive rating on the Lakers last year in the playoffs? Zanny Green. He shot 34%, which is like, it's not good, but well, it's not even terrible. Even he does it, he has gravity. And I wrote about this during the finals. He does all of the little things. Like, Danny Green is a valuable offensive player, whether or not the shots are going in. 
when the shots are going in, that's clearly when he's at his best. But like, even if he's missing, he is valuable. The real question is, I'm looking at the stats now, in the playoffs, he took 5.5 threes a game and took 8.1 field goal attempts a game. Where are those other shots coming from for Danny Green? There's one floater per game. Like, you just, it's usually in the first <laughs> Okay, six that's 6.5. And then, a little bit like, maybe there's a transition layup. Maybe there's an end of the shot clock sort of thing. Oh, that but thing there's always just, the like, one threw floater. the ball straight up in the air yeah, on the transition. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, Danny Green's going to help Philly. Um where do you have Philly now uh, in the East as opposed to where you would have them with Harden? I, mean, I think I'm higher on them than most. I have them second in the East right now, and they would be first with Harden. See, I picked Philly to come out of the East last year, and I picked Joel Embiid to be MVP. So, uh, as long I'm, as Embiid is on that team, I will be picking them to be very, very good. Wow, you really like Embiid, huh? I'm glad, I had him higher than any right. of us on the top 100 bout. I had him 10th. Yeah, no. No, nah, dog. That's going to be a no for me. We'll revisit this when he's an MVP candidate in two months. All right. So to recap, uh, the 76ers, according to us, can present the best trade package for James Harden, followed by the Pelicans, Raptors, who nobody saw coming, Nuggets, Warriors, Heat, and the Nets, who are his preferred trade destination, come in dead last at number seven. So not looking good. For the Nets to get James Harden, six other teams have to say no. Let's put it that way. Wow. That's dire. Did, is James Harden uh, a member of the Houston Rockets by the All-Star break? Or by the uh, trade deadline, excuse me? I think he's traded at the deadline. At the deadline. And what happens before that? Because, I mean, Anthony Davis demanded a trade and they tried to play him in the it's second It's going to be half. really ugly. That's what's like, going to happen. Man, it's just, he's put himself in such a bad situation. It's like I was saying before, like, in order... The Rockets are trying to prove to him that they can put a winner around him, supposedly. And you're not going to do that when you show up 12 days late to camp and alienate all your teammates before you come. They're not going to want to play with him. I don't well, know. Well, and it's, it's a shame, just, too. Just like, I thought before the Wall-Westbrook trade, I was like, okay, I'm into the Christian Wood signing. So Marcus Cousins is a worthwhile risk. Like, I could have seen them being, like, at least a top-five offense. And after that, who knows? Yeah. I think trading Robert Covington was kind of the the signal, yeah. like, hey, kind of this isn't going to work anymore. That was the moment you knew that their defense was going to be, like, bottom 10 in the league at best. Especially, like, because that guy has so much more value on the Rockets than he has on any other team. Yeah. Anyway, we did it. Look at us. First episode, we only went... I remember when we initially pitched this, and we're like, oh, yeah, 20 minutes per episode. No, we're way, we're way past that. Well, I mean, we could say that if this was just 16 episodes back to back to back right. to back, right? Well, we had to talk about seven trades, so of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, James Harden doesn't get uh, traded every single day, so we'll, we'll only talk about this 25,000 more times. When we start doing Frank Milikina trades, there'll be 20 minutes per episode. <laughs> yeah, just in and out. Uh, would you trade? Who says no? Everyone. All right, next episode. Oh, we're going to have some Frank Milikina debates on this show, my friend. Ugh. Frank Milikina versus Hassan Whiteside every single day. We have very different ideas about what wins basketball games. <laughs> <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. Sam Quinn. Thank you so much. It's great to get one in the books. I look forward to doing this many, many times. Pleasure as always, my friend. Until next time.